I used to look for floral cups, and mm. I look I used and um, before that I used to look for very acidic cups. Yeah. I used to look for, but now I'm looking more for like uh, body. I guess I'm there. Mm-hmm. How the coffee end up tasting is a complex process. Many things influence the taste. In this podcast series, I look into the decision on when to stop the roast. Coffee roasters go by different things to make that decision. In the last episode, episode three, it was about stopping the roast by looking at the color. And episode two was about using the smell. Both these methods depend on human assessment. A more objective way is to look at the bean temperature. That sounds simple, but how do you work with it? You're listening to the podcast Coffee Roasting Navigated. My name is Therese Brunstel. This is a podcast about all the differences in coffee roasting. The coffee roast I talked to in this episode is Tony Jakobsen from Norway. I met him at a cupping in Oslo this spring. Actually, we had already crushed roast on Facebook in a coffee roaster forum. But we had not met before. I'm sitting here at uh, in Oslo with uh, with Tony Jakobsen. And you are a roaster at Jakobsen and Swart? Svart? Svart? Well, um, yeah, <laughs> Jakobsen and Svart is the brand, and uh, I uh, I started it, and I started as a coffee roaster, or I started as a barista before I started my own company, mm-hmm. and now I'm the head of quality. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, and in Trondheim? Yeah. Good, and for how many years did you roast coffee? I started in 2012. 2012, so that is five years now? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And uh, how much how much coffee do you roast a year? We're about uh, we buy about fourteen and a half ton of green, yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah, roasted that's about twelve and a half. He is roasting on a twelve kilo Dietrich. Before starting his own coffee shop in Trondheim, Tony had been working as a barista in Oslo for five years. He was there when the very light roast style became a thing in Norway, back when high acidity was a hit. Uh, well, earlier, back when I started as a barista with Magnus from Supreme Roastworks, and uh, when we were working at uh, Java. We All got, here in Norway, here in Oslo? Yeah, here yeah. in Oslo. Uh, at that time, we were doing some high acidic uh, and uh, short espresso mm-hmm. type. Uh, Ristet- ristretto? Yeah, 20 grams in, 20 grams out, ah. that kind of thing. And super acidic. It was almost unbearable at times. Uh, and you left it again? Or? I left the acidity. I, I can't handle it anymore. This wasn't a planned interview. I had just brought my recorder to this copying event in case there was an interview possibility. The cupping was at the Green Bean Importer Nordic Approach. There was new harvest of Kenya, Ethiopia, El Salvador and more. After a long day of cupping, must have been more than 50 coffees. It was time to wind down. We were having foods and margarita drinks. At some point, Tony started talking about how to roast Kenyans for espresso. 
Then I remembered my recorder and podcast project and asked him if he wanted to get interviewed for the podcast. So this was a spare-of-the-moment thing, not much preparation. I jumped right into my angle here, exploring the different ways of deciding how to stop the roast. Uh, and what I want to know here is about when do you think the roast is finished? What is your what? How do you decide when to stop the roast? What do you look at? Well, I, I always look at uh, roasting as uh, as a string of things happening. There's mm-hmm. nothing, and and it's not one. You can't like say that you only have to go through the rate of rice and only follow the curve. Mm-hmm because uh, things will happen, like humidity is one variable. This took us into a long talk about how the weather affects the coffee roasting, the humidity in the air and all. We'll get back to that later, but first I have to get hold on how he stops the roast. To answer your question uh, specific and be short about it, we only look at, uh, we we take it at a certain temperature. Mm Uh, but we also have to measure uh, when the crack starts. So yeah. if the cracks uh, with our upset mm-hmm. on our dish, uh, like if the crack starts about like uh, 194, 196 Celsius, uh, then we look at the development time and for what sort of roast it is. And then you can measure the time and then we afterwards try consistently to go through all the cups and see what is the what happened the optimum what where where is it good mm. but it's even with uh, if we measure everything and even if we uh, control it we do the same all the time even if we try to uh, do some variables with the humidity it still is a bit of a problem and i think it you can't control it completely No, that's the problem. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, that's what I want to find out. Back to my starting question. Mm. What do you look for when you stop the roast? And is that very much that it rises five degrees from first crack start? uh, That you say you look at the bean temperature? Uh, Well, uh, we only look at at, uh, the bean temperature and uh, and if it gets up to a certain point, then we quit the roast. Like, uh, it depends on the coffee and the roast profile, but uh, we we find a specific temperature and then we cut it there. And if there's variables, uh, we start with everything else, not that, uh, not development time. Okay, in Tony's roastery, they go for the absolute bean temperature. So when it hits 200-something degrees, they dump the roast. The tricky part is then the road up until that temperature. To get the same roast profile every time you roast. Even when you know a bean, know how it responds to the heat, it's difficult because the weather makes a difference. And the first batch on the roaster needs more energy. We do some. Uh, we have three for uh, for uh, different charge temps in the beginning ah. of a roast. So uh, first roast higher energy, second ah, so roast bit less, yeah. third roast bit more or less. The taste will be affected by different roast profiles. 
so stopping the roast at a certain bean temperature will not give you the same taste on its own. The road up until that temperature is important too. Now what is that thing about the weather? When Tony first talked about it, I thought he was talking about the moisture of the beans. Ah, so it's, it's not the bean uh, humidity, it's the day. Uh, is it a rainy day? Is it a dry day? Because where you live, it has a very variation in, yeah, uh, in humidity and the weather. Um, We can have four seasons in one day. <laughs> and it can be hot, shit cold, <laughs> rainy, sunny, uh, beautiful, ugly. <laughs> you, you, if you have the same day mm. and it's a very, then there's a rainy day and then suddenly the sun comes and it's very, there's no moisture, there's no rain in the air. Mm. Can you say how did that affect the process? Does it take longer or shorter to hit first crack? Mm. Can I say something about that? No, I can't. It's confusing. <laughs> because it's confusing and uh, it must be because there's several factors in the temperature, the heat, the, the yep. humidity. Yep. This is one of the things that Tony and I had been writing about on Facebook previously. Humidity from the weather. On my website, coffeenavigated.net, I have written about what relative humidity means at different temperatures from the weather outside. But as we talked about here, several factors are at stake, and most likely it makes a difference what kind of roaster you got, and ventilation and all. So it needs further investigation. Since we talked about this in Oslo, I made a spreadsheet for roasters to note down how weather affects the roast. You can join too. Find it under the Humidity Project on the website coffeenavigated.net. Now back to how Tony is roasting. How do they decide on what bean temperature to stop at? It's not the same for all types of beans. Every time Tony gets a new bean, they explore it. We we try to keep the roast, first roast, we try to just keep it simple. Like um, relative to the batch size and relative to the coffee, like if it's an African bean or if it's a Brazilian bean, uh, we, we try to... Um, uh, have just one energy that we can do uh, uh, going through the first crack down with the gas uh, of course airflow and then cutting it like uh, typically 45 seconds in uh, in development time mm -hmm. after first crack and then we try to Uh, taste. taste it and see what qualities do we get do we get anything do from it do we want more or less so. yeah mm. uh, so and then we try to look at okay what can we do what is like what have we previously done like if if it's uh, let's say it's a Gucci coffee from Ethiopia and it's natural coffee then we we'll know probably what, what to do but even with uh, Last year, you can't really compare it with this year because... They change. They change. Yeah. So the roasting profile has to change. So that's why we try to like see, okay, what do you want to have? More acidity? Is it possible to get acidity? More sweetness? And then we try to play around. 
yeah. but it's also for us I think it's more playing around than like we we just want to like explore things I think so the, the, the difference is are you curious do you want to explore and then in when coffee roasting there's a lot to explore yeah too much <laughs> yes yeah there are <laughs> it's uh, fascinating and frustrating well there are more frustrating things <laughs> than coffee roasting As I told you earlier, this interview started because Tony was talking about how to roast Kenyans for espresso. Now, that also comes down to what you want in the taste. And I asked you, how do you roast a Kenyan for espresso? And then you started oh, to yeah. tell about <laughs> yeah, how acidic this, uh, it yeah, was. Did yeah. you love the acidity back then? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and you left it again? Or? I left the acidity. I, I can't handle it anymore. <laughs> like, thing is, now, uh, at that time, we used high airflow, uh, filter roast almost. Yeah, it was a filter roast. Now, I don't like that anymore. I want them to be... Uh, more muted, so we try to mute them as much as possible. Less acidity? Less acidity, more less body. Uh, airflow, uh, more sweetness. So we try to get the charge temp as high as possible. Mm -hmm. uh, we try to like um, to keep the airflow enough to just get the smoke out when there's yeah. smoke and, uh, and, uh, and the damp that comes from uh, the coffee bean. So We tried to do that as long as possible and until the the first crack. Then we tried to get out all the smoke because we don't want smoked espresso. So you turn up the fan, uh, the airflow when, to maximum. Yeah, when yeah. you hit the first crack. Yeah, mm -hmm. and then we cut the gas. Like uh, we try to cut the gas. Well, you can in an espresso. We yeah, on our equipment we have to cut the gas straight when you hear the first crack. Right. So, and then we try to develop it to about, um, we try to develop meant time to like 60, 70 seconds. So it's still very light. And it also depends on how much energy you got, because we want to go with high energy into, into Kenya. Into crack. Yeah. Mm. So the window where you hit the coffee is less. So there is a bit of a... Uh, you have to be more tolerant to mm -hmm. the espresso, mm -hmm. but as long as we try to, on our equipment, try not to have too much airflow into it, I think it will turn out like more fruity. It will like be a very fruity cup uh, or fruity espresso. Mm. Mm. And is there any espressos that you roast for longer than 70 seconds? Yeah, but it's also relative comparing to how much energy you got into yeah. first crack. And, and the rate of rise, how many yeah. degrees uh, Absolutely. going. And how do you feel, because what's interesting for me for Kenya and what I find difficult for Kenyas is to get the berry aroma really well developed. Mm -hmm. I don't want to have too strong acidity or bitterness or anything. I want a balanced in the basic tastes. Mm. But I'm always looking for the uh, berry aroma to get that very um, developed or large or something. And my um, my impression of the roasting process is that it goes up and down during the roast, how big the aroma is. Mm. So how do you catch that? Well, how can we catch that? It's very... Well, we can measure it by smell. You can roast by smell. Mm -hmm. Have uh, you ever tried? 
spelling yeah, during yeah, the process? Yeah, I did that before. Mm. Uh, when when I was the roaster, mm-hmm. uh, I used to use the smell as a parameter to 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 get like to uh, uh, even after first crack, I tried to uh, smell when the aroma was open. Mm. But still, I don't think. I, I still think that cutting at uh, the same degree is is even is is kind of like the same because you will go through the through that um, process even if you smell it or not, and if you take out uh, the trier, that's just another variable. I mean. There's a lot to keep track on. Uh, yeah, you can on. control it. Like you can do it on third minute, five minutes. Like you can do it at specific times at all roast. But then you have to. We haven't come to that part yet. Yeah, there's so much to. You have made a priority. The problem is well, smelling is. Do you smell the same every day? And mm. then I'm thinking it's a bit late when you smell it. Already the roast has progressed. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so maybe you are past that. Here we are getting into the difference between Tony's and my approach to coffee roasting and what we expect to achieve. It's it's easy peasy to roast the coffee. Like it needn't to be that complex that <laughs> all these minutes that we have done in the this. The problem talk. is when you taste it how good it can be, then you get uh, picky and you want to hit that very optimum and very good. That's about how I get frustrated because yeah. maybe other people think it's okay coffee, but I know when a roast is not uh, as good as it could be, then I'm. And there's the high five because that's reaching into perfection, which is like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's psychologically there isn't perfection. Nothing ever will get perfect. Like, perfect is much more complex than reaching for it. Like, uh-huh. uh, so, uh, so you have to love the reaching part. Yeah, 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 and that's the development, I think. Mm, yeah. And I'm also that. I also look for potential. Where can we hit potential, and where is the potential? And what wh- what I look for is like to try to get it. I don't necessarily want it clean or something. I don't. I don't care about what it is, like how it tastes like. Like if I like it, I like it, and and it's that simple. Tony is as much a barista and a coffee shop owner. Our talk about roasting quickly take us into taste and taste preferences and customers. But I can you uh, then say what do you like? When we, what what do you like in a coffee? What is important? Is it the sweetness? Is it aromas? Is it the? For me, I think it depends on. Uh, I used to look for floral cups, and mm. I look. I used and before that, I used to look for very acidic cups. Yeah. I used to look for, but now I'm looking more for like uh, body. I guess I'm there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess when I, we were cupping together today, we pointed at one and said it has more, more body and it wasn't a good kind. Yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, and what I thought was interesting was that like uh, when 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 we talked about the cuppings, we we sort of came back to the same cups and we yeah. 
we were we were we noted the same things yeah. about the cut. So that's sometimes I was here with Michael, and he he and I normally note very different thing. One out of ten, we notice the same thing. But we are what he loves, I don't love, and uh, okay, yeah, okay. so that's very funny. But we are good friends still. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Yeah. Well, uh, that's the uh, that's the thing. How do you measure taste? And you can answer that question better than I do. I don't know. But that. what I think is very interesting is when uh, what do we notice and what do we uh, prefer and mm. I think it's very interesting what you tell that you have this travel first the acidity was fascinating mm. and that's what you didn't get in commercial supermarket ca- coffee that's been there for four months on the shelves mm. then you can in very fresh coffees and very light roasted then you can get fascinating acidity but anyway then you had the floral and now yeah. you're at the body yeah um, I really like lingering aftertaste yeah yeah. when I had a really good coffee mm. and uh, for two hours after I can enjoy it still if I don't eat anything else mm. that's for me a uh, a fantastic coffee uh, if I can roast that but then I've just been fascinated with Burundi's yeah. for about a yeah, year and a yeah, half yeah. but I can feel now I'm a bit now I'm, I'm enough of that one yeah. uh, I can still see it's good but it's mm. kind of my fascination is now uh, less of that and uh, now I'm getting a bit to the berries in the Kenyas We coffee people are deeply into tasting coffee we notice a lot and often we have moved in preferences We started liking one kind of coffee and then went for other things in the taste. So if you open your own coffee shop and want to sell the kind of coffee you think is great, how do you present it to the customers when they are not all taste nerds and knows coffee? Here is Tony's approach. And do you then feel your customers is following you? or? Well, uh yeah we we sell an awful lot of uh, Kenya and Ethiopian like natural coffee and even I didn't know that we could sell geisha hacienda esperalda because it's a like, very expensive one it's forty two dollars in and you have to sell it for shitloads of money yeah but we actually sell that quite good and people tend oh. to like it and mm-hmm. people tend to go for more of that and the reason for that i think it's because um we 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 don't want to we we want to be honest about people like if you if you come into our coffee shop and you have a brazil it's like yeah that's just straight coffee it it, it isn't that complex and uh, i would like it to be but it isn't so So if you want to have an easy start with something that's not too different from uh, normal coffee, Mm. then then you start with a Brazil. Yeah, you start with a Brazilian coffee. And I was the same when I started with coffee. I looked for something familiar. You don't want to go into the high uh, Kenyan stuff in the beginning because it's it's like... uh, If you start with a lager and you get the sour bear, you will like, wow, shit, what is this? Uh, it's a travel and it's 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 a journey on its own it's like the coffee that i made you have to love the travel yeah, the journey yeah yeah, yeah 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 because it's not a destination if you take uh marketing for instance if you mm-hmm. go into that <laughs> thing which is a lot of shit uh, psychology is like stupid research you have to seduce people <laughs> yeah <laughs> and there's so much bullshit around yeah. that yeah absolutely. you have to find something what works because you have to reach people because not everybody is taste nerds like you and me who just 
explore with their taste sense. You have to um, seduce them with, with everything else before they get to the taste. Yeah, yeah. And I and and that's I think that is the magic of not telling people what to expect. Oh, surprise them. Surprise them. And then uh, get them curious and then have them asking. Yeah. Because if you do it that way around and not like, well, this is a floral cup and it tastes like rubber rubber <laughs> and <then> next one. <laughs> so that, then then they're kind of overwhelmed or they... Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, they're huge. And humans. they can't relate to it. No, no. I mean, they're, they're not going into... There's nothing saying that this is a scientific research project coffee bar. There's nothing saying like this is a taste. Like we, we explore taste. It isn't even named that way. It's named... Coffee shop, coffee roasters, Jakobsen and Svart. It's just it's simple. It's simple, and I think like, for instance, you have to think like the customer is just there for having. Well, first they they, they started to drink coffee because they didn't want to get tired. It's like it's because <laughs> it's actually and it's a grown-up thing. It's a grown you, up. You're a grown up if you drink. And, and and that's the thing. Like people go into your coffee shop and they want to to physically feel a change. Like they want to wake up or something. That's why they are there. And then if you do something and you do it well and you get them curious by taste, then at some point they're going to ask, what the hell are you doing? Why do I like your coffee? What do I like about this place? And that's where I think you have to be honest. And I, I, I have trained all my baristas to think like mm-hmm. that, to be themselves. Don't say any bullshit. If you if you don't know it, just say that. And if you think it's confusing, just say that. It doesn't matter. I mean, we're we're all humans. We're all in this together, and we have we, and we can learn from each other. I mean, we have customers that actually have have um, have helped us with quite heavy science stuff. Even cool. I, if I didn't know what the, what the answer really meant, <laughs> because I can't convert it into something practical, practical. Mm-hmm. Uh, it still is this project. And I think every coffee shop should be more like a community. Mm-hmm. Like it should be more about. It's like if you take care of people, all the way, all the way, you take care of the product. Is it's like that's my philosophy. You you create your own community of people that you actually like like i i i haven't met you before but like i, I even from your uh, what you posted on facebook your questions yeah i haven't heard too much about the, the podcast yet but i know like you're curious and i think that's so important for our business because that that's what moves us you know yeah. and I, I i think that's the key mm. uh, and i think like I also business. find it interesting that that's also what you wait for in your customers. You don't just tell them a lot of information. No. You wait until they are curious, yeah. until they ask themselves, uh, and then you you start the dialogue and mm. not just telling them a lot of stuff. That's it for now. You can subscribe to this podcast on your smartphone in your podcast app. Search for Coffee Roasting Navigated. Or you can find it on the website coffeenavigated.net slash podcast. By the way, at this copying event in Oslo, I also met a coffee roaster who had been listening to this podcast. Mikkel from Mikkel's Café Werkstad in Norway. He told me he had been checking in several times to look for new episodes. Yes, it has been some time, like four months since last episode. 
I'm afraid this isn't a steady podcast with episodes every week or even every month. It depends on when I got time and what I want to explore. But I got a couple of things on the table already, so stay tuned for more episodes. My name is Therese Brunstel. Some people drink coffee to get through the day. Others get through the day to drink good coffee.